ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, Dan Fitzgerald is my name. Thanks a lot for joining me on the program today. Up soon you're going to hear from a commercial fisherman who has spent the last few hours steaming through that tropical low out west of Darwin and he's been facing some big seas. We've had a couple of waves that laid us on our side this morning so um, it's not pleasant and it's um, not for the faint-hearted but we're all fine, we'll get through. Yeah, we'll also catch up with a cattle and hay producer out in the Douglas Daily, which has seen its fair share of rain over the weekend. There's a lot to talk about with all this wet weather, and we also love hearing your weather reports on the Country Hour. If you've got some rainfall figures to report, 0487 991057. Also today, about 100,000 baby oysters have been flown out to Wadair, where they're being grown out in a trial, which will hopefully down the track, potentially see a commercial oyster farm there. I want people to see that we've got land that we own and that we can use to come up with a business plan, get something for the family, for their children to uh, work and live. Those stories and plenty more on the Country Hour today. But first up, there's been some big resources news with Santos allowed to continue building its underwater gas pipeline from its Barossa field out to the north of the Tiwi Islands. This comes after a federal court handed down its decision this morning. And we're joined in the studio now by Samantha Dick from ABC News. Uh, Samantha, for those you know who need a bit of reminding, take us back. What was this case all about? Thanks, Dan. Well, this case kicked off in October last year when a group of Tiwi Islands elders sought an emergency injunction in the federal court to force Santos to halt construction of its underwater gas pipeline for its Barossa project. Uh, They argued that Santos had failed to adequately assess whether this pipeline uh, would damage underwater cultural heritage sites and sacred dreaming places along the pipeline's route, uh, which runs about seven kilometres west of the Tiwi Islands at its closest point. Uh, the Tiwi Islands elders, led by Jikalawuru traditional owner Simon Mankara, had wanted the federal court to order Santos to pause construction of its pipeline until the company had revised its original environment management plan to include these potential risks. Uh, that plan would then need to be accepted by the federal offshore gas regulator, NOPSEMA, before works could resume. So that's basically all the nuts and bolts of the case today. But they weren't successful in that. What did the judge have to say and why did the judge side with Santos? Yes, that's right. So in handing down her findings, Justice Natalie Charlesworth told the court that there was disagreement among relevant Tiwi Islanders about these song lines. She said that the the case founded on the traditional accounts of Mother Ampigi, which is like the rainbow serpent, and the crocodile man was characterised by a significant degree of divergence among relevant Tiwi Islanders about the content of those dreaming or song lines. 
Um, so she said that uh, the evidence asserting the song lines relate to uh, that area through which the pipeline will pass is insufficient. Uh, she said she was also not satisfied by claims that the pipeline might damage potential cultural heritage sites underwater as well. And she says that there's nothing more than a negligible chance that there may be objects of archaeological value in that pipeline route. Okay, so what does this all mean for Santos? Well, the Barossa project is a huge deal for Santos. Uh, they've just released a statement welcoming the decision. The project's massive, $5.7 billion, potentially more. Um, they're planning on drilling for gas in the Timor Sea, then piping it to Darwin before shipping it off as LNG to buyers in South Korea or Japan. Basically, this ruling today means that they can now progress with laying the underwater pipeline to get that gas to Darwin before shipping it out. The timeline was uh, for exporting that gas was meant to be in 2025, but waiting to see just how much these court battles have maybe contributed to some delays. Yeah, Santos have been able to uh, work on a small section of the pipeline, about 80 k's or so, uh, just to the north of the Tiwi Islands, and uh, we understand they have been working on that section, so this will mean they'll be able to just continue straight back through to Darwin. Um, Have we heard from the Environmental Defender's Office or the, the Tiwi Islanders involved in this case? Uh, Well, we're still waiting on an official statement from the Environment Defender's Office. They've said that it's obviously not the result that they wanted. They're just going to be speaking to their clients and uh, thinking of a way forward from here. If you want to read more on this story, jump online and search for ABC News. Thanks for the update, Samantha. Hello, my name's Al from Humpty Doo Sunflowers, and you're listening to The Country Hour. Well, it's been a wet and windy weekend across much of the top end with pretty much all sort of top end regions getting some decent rainfall. The daily region has had a lot in the last 24 hours. There's been totals of 155 millimetres at Elizabeth Down stations, 115 at Tipperary and 121 at the Daly River Police Station. Also some good rain out in the Victoria River District. The Bradshaw Training Base had 103 mils and Timber Creek. 116. Uh, Brett Gill, he is at Mullalungui in the Douglas Daily, and he told me this morning it's been very wet at his place. We haven't seen too much sun. Uh, yesterday, Sunday, was a little bit of broken sun, but it's um, very, very short. Um, not a massive amount of rain during the daytime yesterday, but continued overnight, and yeah, it's still raining in now, and certainly. Haven't seen any rain today yet. Oh, sorry, sunshine today yet. And what has the rain been like? Has it been heavy or has it just been drizzling? Uh, look, heavier, heavier scuds coming through. Um, certainly this last since about, well, it would be 12 hours or so now since you know the, the rain has become pretty, pretty consistent without any breaks in it. Like I woke up a few times during the night and it was still raining heavy enough to hear it on the roof that's for sure and the grounds the ground sodden and um yeah, everywhere you walk outside in the in the yard is uh yeah definitely an inch or two of water under your feet uh, do you know what your your rainfall total is out of this um weather system uh i couldn't tell you a total um i tipped 56 mil out of the gauge this morning and that there was only probably five or so in there from you know in the daylight hours yesterday day before was was only low i would guess only about five five to ten mil 
Um, so it's up until today, it's been a bit on and off the rain, um, but but good, you know, plenty of rain when it comes, and everything's certainly wet, that's for sure. And what does this rain mean for you after a pretty hot and dry December? Uh, the rain's yeah, totally welcomed. Bit unfortunate that it had to come and stick and fast as it did because it's just simply pulled us up with anything, anything and everything we're trying to do. We, because of the dry weather, there was a delayed, you know, we had a delayed start to any of our sort of planting and I wouldn't call it cropping because it's mainly only hay and pasture development still. Um, we had to hold off and sort of just use little, little quick you know, do do work that we could do when we could and then hold off again. So we've got a got a bit done but plenty more to do and the other problem is now it's just becoming very late in the you know, even in a normal wet season it's late to be doing too much planning now, but I think we're gonna just simply have to have to do it or we're gonna become short of short of feed in the in the dry season that will will still come I'm sure. You're right. You think you you still might be able to get out on your paddocks with the tractor after this rain? Yeah. Look, we're pretty sandy in this area where we are. Um, we don't have any black soil or anything like that, so it's pretty good. Like this is a lot of rain. I mean, it will. We need a, a day or two of sun, but there are certain areas and certain jobs I can go and get back to doing. Obviously, um, and there's always something to do and it's just hard to go outside and do anything now even with the cattle checking waters you know you go out for 10 minutes to make sure not that they need a lot of water but you still like to make sure it's there for them if if they do want it when the sun comes out but yeah you you get wet in five minutes and come home and and you gotta yeah get dry again and how are the cattle looking they enjoying the rain i don't know if they're enjoying something like this rain now there was a few we've actually got a mob of cows and calves in in the paddock around the house which is still 100 hectares like it's a big area and they were doing a bit of bellowing you know walking around I guess looking for each other it'd be pretty uncomfortable out there you can't get dry and and um and that so uh yeah look besides that it's been pretty good I mean with the late start to the to the rain we were really scratching for feed um we've been chasing feed moving uh, rotating paddocks pretty fairly quickly um to keep keep them looked after but um yeah across the fingers we've got through now we just probably need to flip it again and have a bit of sunshine and grow some grass now and for you today brett you're pretty housebound are you yeah, well, I've got a few jobs on the computer that uh, always get left to the last, Dan. So um, I made a bit of a promise to myself this morning I would I would do them. Yeah, it's not looking very promising. I haven't. We lost internet um, pretty early this morning with the cloud cover. We're just satellite, and um, so you can't look at what's coming. But, I mean, the way it's a bit windy here now, as you were saying, it was in Darwin, so I'm guessing that the actual lows coming down over us now, and which is what they predicted. I saw, I think I had a look early this morning, and, you, yeah, there's a lot of rain in the next couple of days. They're predicting 100, you know, up to 100 mil and 100%, 95% chance of it for the next couple of days after today. So, yeah, I think we're in for a, a few more, couple more days of this uh, 
sitting it out, which is a bit frustrating, but anyway. Well, uh, all the best for the next few days ahead. Brett, thanks for having a chat. No problem, Dan. Thank you. That is Brett Gill there at Mullalungui, which is in the Douglas Daly region. Plenty of rain there over the weekend. There's also been rain out on the Sturt Plateau. Some of the other station figures I've seen are 34 mils at Margaret Downs, 57 at Avago Station. There's even been some storms down on the Barkley. Eucaronich Station is reporting 66 millimetres. Uh, nearby Renner Springs had 44 millimetres in the gauge. So, yeah, there's been a good spread right across the top end. And plenty of people have been really thankful that these rains have arrived properly. Uh, one of those is Mango Grower in Lambles Lagoon, out to the east of Darwin, Han Shung Sia. I'm over the moon. I mean, I was like, I, when, it first, when it, we first saw the clouds roll in, I was jumping up and down. It has been a hot, hot build-up during the months of December, and now with the rain coming through, the wind, it's, it's, it's has me happy, and I'm out busy getting the, uh, the product out there, the, the fertiliser out there for the trees to put it through to sleep to the next mango season. And was there any part of you that was getting a bit concerned, like that we hadn't seen? Anything? Yeah, we were getting a bit concerned. We um, we, we we thought we were going to get a little bit of um, rain from Jas Cyclone Jasper in December when it came through from Queensland, and we were actually praying on that for to start our product trials. When that kind of did a U-turn and went back to Queensland, and and for us that we led that to us looking it was pretty dry and hot. So we were concerned that we could not get any rain this year. So we were had to instead of turn on irrigation, which was not what we want during the middle of the wet season. This will allow us to uh, um, not use the irrigation, so, so it means we don't have to pay for water, power to run the water, to pump the water, and then we also in turn that we have a little bit less, don't have to worry about too much of the trees. The trees are nicely green, they, they, they don't have to worry about um, issue about <laughs> stress. With the rain that, that we've been getting recently, it's actually the benefit for us is that it is actually recharging the aquifer underground water, which is where we use a lot of our water supply during the dry season. So the excess amount of rain that we get, that's just on the top of the floor, top of the ground that goes through through you know the floodways that you see, will soak down to the underground water, which eventually we would we and many of the growers here and residential people will use to pump up and uh, use on their property during the drier months. And um, lastly, I mean, we know like on a macro level that, um, you know, the seasons are becoming more extreme and like weather patterns are changing, yep. particularly, you know, with climate change. Mm-hmm. Have, have you been finding it harder to predict what the weather's going to be doing in recent years? Obviously, you've been here a while. Yeah, we, it is getting predicted harder to predict. Our, our crops are getting later. It's harder to induce flowering for our mangoes because the, the, the dry season has been warmer than normal which we need the cold snap to be able to induce flowering for our trees. So once we know there's a good one, we'll have one. If Like this year was a pretty poor flowering season, so we had a multiple flowering period and a very short one. So so the crop volume will be locked down, hence why we got the lower volume. Um, it's inconsistency that we have to deal with farming, but, um, you know, we will figure out in a couple of years. If, if not, we'll have to move on to another industry. Han Shung Sia, he's a mango and durian farmer out in Lambles Lagoon. He was speaking there to Lillian Rangia. It is 15 to 1 here on the Country Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald, on ABC Radio right across the Territory, who's speaking about this monsoonal wet weather. And there are some warnings out for this weather system, a severe weather warning for damaging winds and heavy rainfall is still current for people in the Daly, the Tiwi, parts of the Arnhem, Gregory and Carpentaria districts. 
So scattered, scattered six-hour rainfall totals of between 100 to 160 millimetres are likely with peak wind gusts around 90 kilometres per hour possible. So this area, it sort of extends from Nulamboy, the north coastal region of Arnhem Land, down to Catherine and to Kaukaringi, the VRD, and all of the Daly region. As somebody who has been battling those high winds and all that rain is commercial fisherman Grant Barker. He's been steaming through this tropical low from the Joseph Bonaparte Gulf and trying get trying to get back home to port here in Darwin. I spoke with him a short time ago as he was passing Charles Point just off the Cox Peninsula, west of Darwin. We've been fishing 400 miles west of Darwin for the last 10 days, and um, we're now we've now come in through this low pressure system. Last night was probably the worst night with 30 knot winds. And fortunately, we had a following sea. Um, this morning. We've got king tides. The tide's been running out against the westerly wind and it's been a pretty nasty morning with four metre seas again. So all in all, it's been pretty ordinary. What is it like to be uh, driving into a four metre seas? Well, driving into them is horrible, Dan, but driving with them as we have been fortunate, the wind's westerly and we're travelling east. So with it's always a lot easier. It's just, just um, you know, you've got to be aware. It's it's safe enough. It's just times like this you need your machinery to run properly and you don't want anything to go wrong. As long as your main engine continues to work, you're okay because you don't want to get side on in these sort of seas. You'll get rolled over. We've had a couple of waves that laid us on our side this morning. So um, it's not pleasant and it's um, not for the faint-hearted, but you know, we're all fine. We'll get through. How taxing is it to be behind the wheel in that scenario? Uh, it's just it's tiring, mate. We just end up putting in a few more hours because you, I don't like to leave the younger fellas, the Indonesian lads that work for me. I don't really like having inexperienced people on the wheel in this sort of condition, so I just end up doing a few more hours. We're all a bit shy on sleep and drinking plenty of coffee when we can keep the pot on the stove. It's been, <laughs> it's been thrown off a few times. Yeah, wow. And how have you, you and your crew handled it? Any seasickness? No, mate, we're all pretty good that way. Um, well, mate, alongside me here, Gummin, he's 57. He's a Sri Lankan guy. He's uh, he's seen a lot of salt water and he's fine. And the two Indo boys, they're good as well. So we don't have issues with seasickness. Yeah, You've seen weather like this before? Yeah, I've seen plenty of this stuff. This is not too bad. We're lucky. You know, it's bad enough, but we're lucky that that low sat in on the land in the bottom of the Bonaparte there and didn't come out onto the water. It would have got a lot worse. Um, been good for people on the land as well to get some rain. So, yeah, I've seen plenty of this. I've seen a lot worse than this. And uh, are you looking forward to being back on dry land soon? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice to get in, mate, and um, relax a bit and fix a few things. And then um, the way the weather looks, it's going to be bad for... At least a week, I think, we'll have 30 knots out here. So I've got two other boats out, out fishing where I was. I expect them to probably come in in the next day or two because of the conditions. So, you know, I think we're I think we're out of action for seven to ten days. And I think Darwin will get a bit of a, you know, a strong blow and hopefully plenty of rain. And how has the fishing been? It's been okay, mate, without being remarkable. Last three or four days got challenging with the bigger tides and the wind. Wind always makes it harder. It's pretty windy out there the last four days. So 
in general, it's been okay, mate. We're um, we're taking along okay. Well, safe journey on back into Darwin Harbour. Uh, thanks for having a chat, Grant. Oh, it's a pleasure, Dan. All the best. Thank you. That is Grant Barker. He's a commercial fisherman. Uh, he's been for the last seven hours or so just trying to make, make his way back into Darwin with some four-metre seas. But luckily, as you heard there, the wind is with him, so he's not going up against them. Um, but it sounds like it's still a pretty rough journey there for Grant. Now, how about this? Out at Wat Air, southwest of Darwin, the community has had 335 millimetres of rain in the last 24 hours to 9am today. Uh, that is just so much rain, <laughs> hard to wrap your head around. Uh, Luke Newton, he's with the Thamara Rangers, and he told Jan Kahoot what the last day or so has been like at Wat Air. Just torrential rains, essentially. That's all, all we're seeing. So the creeks are all flooded. Can't get across the Mantapay. So we just got our um, two months of wet season in two days. And so how much flooding is going on? Like how are the roads and how high is the river? Oh, well, we can't get to the river, so Air Force crosses and it's flooded. That's a couple of k's out of town. So I'm not sure what the moil's doing. I'm, I'm assuming that it's it'll be flooded as well. And um, Sandfly Creek, where the barge comes in, is running pretty fast too. Yeah. I was a bit worried if the barge would make it in with all the water running running out of the creek. But So that's all the town supplies, like food, everything comes on the barge. Yeah, yeah so we're service, service weekly by the barge. And if the barge doesn't come... People run out of food. So the flooding is not so bad around here, being so close to the coast, so it runs off pretty quick. There's a bit of localised flooding and a lot of damage to the roads, a lot of washouts occurred overnight. And there's a few trees down here and there, but other than that, yeah. 335 millimetres have fallen in the last 24 hours. Do you think that's quite unusual for a monsoon rain? Yeah, no, it's the heaviest rain I've seen in 10 years up here. Yeah, that's the most run I've seen in 10 years I've been out here in such a short space of time. What, what do you think could be the possible damage to, to Wari uh, with that much rainfall? Um, probably mostly it'll be just be, um, you know, the roads will get up a lot of damage. That Obviously the access roads now will be impassable until the dry season. I did hear that um, a few cars got washed away, like old derelict cars and that, but I haven't seen that personally. Just some of the, some of the locals were saying a few of the old cars that were down along the creek are no longer there. How are people feeling at the moment over there? I think everyone's pretty excited about the rain, to be honest, because it's been such a hot, dry start to the wet season. The rain's there, so everyone's pretty happy. With that much um, flooding, um, what's your plan with the uh, on the weed side? Um, is that a good thing? It is for us. That way, we can. Um, because we pump out of the creeks for the helicopter, so we need that clean flowing water. So we don't we don't want to put the muddy water into the spray units on the helicopters. So hopefully, when this rain subsides, we get the helicopters out and we can finish off the mimosa. Because we're now covering, like we cover the whole West Daly region from Daly River to the coast. So we're responsible for the whole whole place. It's a big job. Yeah, I was getting a bit worried with this dry start to the wet season, whether the creeks start flowing, but I think. This has fixed that problem. And, and what else, in terms of conservation, what else could benefit from those big rains? Oh, it just flushes out all the creek systems. More than it, it just gives everything a good flush, which is always a good thing.
it'll open all the all the creeks back up, like push all the sediment out that builds up through the dry on the tides. Luke Newton, he's a Thummera Ranger out in Wadair. Speaking there about the huge amount of rain the community's had, 335 millimetres in the 24 hours to 9am today. Uh, the seven-day total for Wadair, it is up to 552 millimetres. That is, that is a lot of rain. Hello, my name is Salaudi Botongoleoi and I am from Crocodile Island Rangers, one of the women coordinators. And you are listening to the Country Hour. G'day there, my name is Dan Fitzgerald and thanks a lot for joining me for the Country Hour on this Monday. We're broadcasting right across the territory on ABC Radio. We're also on Channel 25 on your television. We're also on the ABC Listen app where you can listen to us live or you can always catch us on the podcast which you can find on that ABC Listen app. Just type in Northern Territory Country Hour and all of our programs are there. Still to come in the next 25 minutes, we're going to head out to What Air where the community has just kicked off a trial for black clip rock oysters, around 100,000 baby oysters called SPAT. They've been sent out to a place just off the Wadair coast uh, where they're going to be trialled. I want people to see that we've got land that we own and that we can use to come up with a business plan, get something for the family, for their children to uh, work and live. Yeah, that story will be up on the Country Hour very soon. But first off, uh, let's head to the Weather Bureau where we've got Sally Cutter on the line. And Sally, and speaking of what air, it's uh, had a lot of rain in the last 24 hours. Oh, yeah, they had 335 millimetres in the 24 hours to 9am this morning. So there certainly has been a lot of rain. They had 170 millimetres the day before. So if you're looking at how much they've had in the last seven days, they've actually had... Half over half a meter, five hundred and fifty-one point six millimeters in seven days. Most that's fallen fallen in two. And that three hundred and thirty-five mils in twenty-four hours is that a record for what air? Yep, that's a record for that site. There was we used to have an observation site down at the post office, but the that one's now been that was closed back to the turn of the century. And that's had a one up in the about 500 back in 1976. So it, we ha- there have been big falls down there, but that was in February, and so this one even was higher than what was happened. What happened in the area? So, so back earlier, yep. in earlier days. Okay, where else got the rain over the weekend? Oh, it's pretty widespread across the the north. The if you're looking at those 24-hour totals, we sort of Haywood Creek. Oh, sorry, the weekly totals had 300 millimetres. So there's there's some pretty good ones out there. The it's Looking at the 24-hour totals, the beads, sorry, just looking at the Watson's 9am. So yeah. we, the Elizabeth Downs had 115, the Haywood had 137 millimetres, Mount Nankar 127. So there's been a lot of falls up there, most of them have actually occurred in that last in the last couple of days, just as that low's really got self-organised. Yep, um, and yeah, most of the big sort of totals over 100 mil have been in the Daly region um, or Timber Creek, 116 mils. Um, yeah, a bit of rain in that Victoria yep. River region, which has led to uh, an initial flood watch, Sally. What can you tell us? Yep. 
Okay, yes, and just some of the other big totals. Channel Point had 266 millimetres, so there's some big falls in the western, but luckily they were in the down right down the the bottom of the, the catchment. But if you look, we do have an initial flood warning for the Victoria River. We've had some good totals, sort of 70 to 100 millimetres in parts of the Victoria River Basin in the, in the last couple of days and, and that's seeing the rivers coming up. The couple of the crossings have been shut and I think I heard the Victoria Highway's been cut as well. So if you're travelling out that way, just check the forecast and, of course, the extra rain will add to the, the any, any river rises we are already seeing down there. Yeah, OK. And uh, the next few days ahead, um, how much rain? Could could come out of this system still. Oh, it could be quite wet underneath it. The it's going to be fairly slow moving, and it's not. If you're along the north coast, we do have squally showers coming through, and if they're moving, they're not going to drop that much rain. What's the real problem for, for the rainfall is if you get underneath a, a band that you just we call it the train effect because it's like a whole lot of carriages going over the one spot. So all these storms just go over the one spot, and you get a lot of rainfall out of those. And we could see so 100 even up to so 250 millimetres or more out of there, out of those. Okay. Um, and, yeah, just how long is this uh, low going to stick around for? Oh, probably to the end of the week at least. It's it's fairly slow moving. It, so the next, sort of up until to Thursday, it looked like it's going to drift slowly eastwards and then it might, it looks like it should turn to more westward, but how, whether it goes west or southwest, there's still a li- little bit of variation between the guidances so it's but we should see the weather around the Darwin area ease off a bit okay and um I have seen one report of some a bit of rain in the Barkley region um Yukaronage station has reported 66 mils and 44 mils at at Renner Springs is the Barkley like to get much likely to get much more Yes, certainly. They're going to see the showers and storms continuing for the next few days. Uh, could even see some heavy falls. And so if you're down through there, that way, just keep an ear out for a severe thunderstorm warning. We do have severe weather warning out for those squally showers and also heavy rainfall in the Barkley and the Gregory districts and a little bit sort of into the Carpentary as well. So we the, could see some good falls down there. If you get underneath one of those storms or one of those bands converging into the low, the low will... To head that generally east, slightly east, southeast direction, and will increase the rain down through there as well. But and then as it moves off, it'll, it should start easing to the to the rain out there. And meanwhile, in Central Australia and around Alice Springs and Yulara, there's a warning of a different kind, a heatwave yep. warning. That's um, <laughs> it's still hot there. Yeah, it's still hot there. We are going to see conditions mitigate slightly over the next. So, so as, we, as we go sort of later in the week, but it's not really going to be until sort of Thursday, Friday that we start seeing the heat wave warning easing. Okay. Um, anything else we need to know today, Sally? No, I think that's it. Just keep in any warnings that are, are issued. The, so it's, and we, we got a whole lot out, and they're going to be updated regularly. So it's really a case of keeping alert when the new ones are issued and make sure you keep up to date with the latest information. Very good, and stay listening to the ABC. Thanks a lot, Sally. That's okay. That is Sally Cutter there at the Weather Bureau. It is 12 past one. Hi, my name's Savannah Phillip. I work at Humpty-Doo Barramundi. We're currently feeding thousands of baby Barramundi right now, and you're listening to the Country Hour. Dan Fitzgerald with you here on the Country Hour. 
And just confirming what Sally told us in the weather there, yes, the Vic Highway is currently closed due to flooding between the Victoria River Bridge and Timber Creek. Uh, the Roper Highway is also closed at the Strangways River in between Mataranka and Nooka there. Uh, for more updates, head to the Road Report NT website for the latest, but just repeating, yeah, the Victoria River, so the Victoria Highway, is currently closed between the Vic River Bridge and Timber Creek. Well, how about this? A new... An island near Wadair could be home to a native oyster farm if a new trial all goes to plan. Just over 100,000 baby oysters, known as SPAT, have been flown from the Darwin Agriculture Centre out to Doherty Island, where they'll be grown out into adult size to see how they fare in the local waters there. There are, of course, similar trials to this sort of thing happening out at Goulburn Island for the last few years. Jan Kahoot has this story of the latest trial at Wadair. In the tidal waters of Doherty Island, Famara rangers and traditional owners of the Nombe family have just set up their first tropical blacklip rock oyster trial. The baby oysters have been placed in cylindrical baskets just offshore, where hopefully they will grow to about 7 centimetres. Darwin Aquaculture Senior Research Scientist Samantha Nowland explains why black lip oysters are the best choice for wadi. So they're a native oyster species. Um, they've occurred naturally in the Northern Territory. They grow quite quickly um, and they're a tropical species. So we've focused uh, our research efforts on this species in particular because it does have um, such quick growth rates, which means that for an aquaculture farm, you can get return on your investment quicker if you can get product to market. Um, it also has been eaten by Indigenous communities for millennia, um, so there's already people eating the species and it's got a good, um, there's a local demand for quality oysters. Um, the oysters that we get in the Northern Territory at the moment come from down south and they've got uh, longer shipping times before they get here and the quality can be variable. Uh, so a local fresh product would be um something that our restaurants and retailers would be crying out for. Samantha Nowland also explains how she's been helping out with the trial. So the system that they've got set up at Doherty is a floating long line, a SEPA basket system, um, which they will flip with the boat and then let the baskets dry out every few weeks um, for a period of time, usually 24 hours, just to control any fouling, like different animals that want to settle on the baskets or seaweeds or things like that. Um, and basically do that for a couple of years, between two to three years, um, depending on the site growth rates, which is what we're finding out with this trial is how the oysters grow in this area. Um, and then harvest them when they get to about a 70 millimetre uh, shell length, so, so yeah, seven centimetre size is, is what people like to eat up here. Um, and then depending on how they're growing and the kind of the dynamics of your site with your tide, it depends on the shape that you're going to get and you'll just, mod- you'll just modify your system as they grow to get the best shell shape possible. In this trial, unlike others in the top end, the oyster baskets are turned over by the tide reducing the need for people to manually tip them. 
Traditional owner Tobias Nambe says he and his son have been checking on the oysters with the help of Tharama Rangers and learning a lot of skills in the process. We've, we've got to make sure that the pots are clean, that, that the, the pots are turning the right way with the tides. We've got to know when, when, when to not change, but uh, make sure that the oysters are, have got enough space in the pots and, and, and they are clean. And they are turning with the tide. It's it's not we, we don't go around there and, and, and turn the turn the pots around in ourselves. The, the, the tide's doing that for us. So we, we just we, we just go out there with the ranges to make sure and then and, and it's 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 doing that. Tobias Nambe says he hopes the oyster trial will inspire others to take up the opportunities on the land around Wadi. The plan is to get people thinking, thinking broadly than just doing jobs here in Warrior. I want people to see that we've got land that we own and that we can use to come up with a business plan, get something for the family, for their children to uh, work and live and, 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 and really enjoy the life out there where we really belong. The reason, one of the reasons for that to be happening on, on the island, at Dockery Island there, is for people to see if Tobias and his group, one bear family can do that, I can do it at my place also, the surrounding areas. The other clan group can do, do that also. Samantha Nowland says if the trial goes well, the oysters will hopefully be able to be sold down the track. One of the key objectives of this next three-year project is to look at a pathway to market. So part of oysters being a live, a product that's consumed mainly live, is that you need to have a shellfish quality assurance program. Um, So one of my main roles in the project is working on the shellfish quality assurance program for the Northern Territory and licensing so that people who do want to invest in this industry going forward have a clear pathway um, for aquaculture licensing and then to market. For Tobias Nombe, the Oysters trial is already showing positive impacts on him and the community. There's a good, good message coming from the people that they, that, that they need something. So, so this, this, is, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. It's, it's very positive. It's, it's, it's something to be proud of and happy. And I'm, I know that people are happy with, with what I'm doing, with, with our group are doing. That is Tobias Number. He's a traditional owner from Wadair, speaking there to Jan Kahoot about this tropical black rock tip, <laughs> an oyster trial out at Wadair. It is 20 past one here on the Country Hour. Time now for a tune. This is Vincent Neil Emerson. Into Neil Emerson there with Texas Moon here on the Country Hour with me, Dan Fitzgerald, on ABC Radio right across the Territory. Well, there's renewed interest across Australia in using hemp as a construction material. Its proponents say it's carbon neutral, local and easy to use compared to traditional building products. But despite these declared benefits, the industry says it's strangled by stigma and red tape right across the country. Fiona Breen dropped into a hemp processor in northern Tasmania called X-Hemp and spoke there to Andy Lucas about hemp, how it is turned into a building material. 
I've got a team of staff that work processing hemp straw. Basically what we do is we put it through a machine, it breaks that stalk down into four main parts and what my staff are doing is that they're taking it off the machine, putting it into bags and then having it separated into those four piles. So one of those products we sell a lot of, it's called Herd, that's the inner core of the plant and that gets used for hempcrete in buildings and then the other three outputs we've got differing uses for and we'll be looking to expand that product line next year. So it's, it's not an easy job here. It's a bit tough, if anything. It is. I mean, I think it's laughable that I'm wearing all of my protective gear. I'm sure my staff haven't seen me doing this for a while, but I've got an incredibly strong uh, and team of women that work here. Um, so yeah, very hot environment. It's quite dusty. It can be very noisy with all the equipment and machinery. And they're obviously doing a very manual physical job. So I really rely on my amazing staff. They do a great job here in the shed, but certainly safety is one of our major considerations with the various parts of equipment and the dust and all that type of thing as well. What's come out of that machine? machine behind me what we've got is just a couple of the products that we process so we've got mulch that we use on gardens the hemp bast which is used for a range of products like animal bedding and can be used for weed mats that kind of thing we've got bags of the hemp herd which gets converted into the building products bags of dust and fines there's all these different outputs what you can see is that we are completely out of space so I'm very happy to say that we're about to move into a much larger facility which is happening in the next week or two so we're just at that point we've outgrown the place that we've been for the last sort of two and a half years which is really exciting and now we're ready to move to that next size uh, facility and really expand the range of things that we can do. So tell me the most important product that's coming out of that machine at the moment. For us the most important product that we're processing is called herd so that's the centre core of a hemp stalk. We chop that up and it gets converted into a natural building material called hempcrete. What's so good about it? So many things. It's just one of the most amazing products it really is and we invite people to come down the hemp rabbit hole I call it. Um, so hempcrete as a building material is high highly insulative, it's non-combustible so it actually won't ignite, so it's fantastic for bushfire areas, that type of thing. It basically sequesters carbon through the growth cycle of the plant and the building's life cycle, so it's a very attractive option for people who are looking to build environmentally sustainable homes. And yet it's taking a bit to really get going in ter terms of an industry. The growth of industry has been slower than certainly those of us that work in it would like, for sure. We've been identified by the Australian government as an emerging industry, so that's really exciting and that certainly is progress. For me, where the frustration lies is we've got an opportunity in Australia to look at what other countries are doing and leapfrog 10 or 15 years, but we seem to be stuck in some really old thinking. They reviewed the legislation recently, a few changes, uh, enough to get you going? Look, I think the, the most recent review to the legislation was seven years. So 2015, we were one of the first states and I was really excited. I thought it might have been an opportunity to make some really progressive, bold moves that would put Tassie at the forefront again in Australia. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened, so that's been quite disappointing. Really no fundamental changes to the Act at all, and I feel that's really an opportunity that's been lost. Tassie could have positioned itself, I think, as a, as a world leader. Um, we've chosen sort of status quo, so it's a bit disappointing for those of us that were hoping for much more. So in simplistic terms, what are some of the things that are holding back the industry? On the most basic level, we're actually classed as a plant. Cannabis is the name of the plant. Cannabis is included in the Misuse of Drugs Act for high THC cannabis, marijuana. That's fine. That's its own thing. We're in the Poisons Act when there's actually been never a case of poisoning ever of any form of cannabis. It simply shouldn't be in that act. We'd like it removed. And then in the Industrial Hemp Act, the third act that our plant is mentioned, we had the opportunity to allow for the whole of plant to be used, for there to be less testing, things that are holding the industry back. That was what we were hoping to see in this review and unfortunately those things haven't happened. What, what do you think is going on? Is I think the stigma is certainly there. It's really interesting in the community I feel that people are very easily understanding low THC cannabis or hemp 
versus high THC cannabis or marijuana. Probably the analogy I like to use is people understand you can eat a button mushroom. They understand that's a very different thing to a mushroom that's going to have a psychoactive effect or be poisonous. Cannabis is not poisonous. Some cannabis has a, a psychoactive effect, but we somehow have bundled everything in all together. And I effectively am being treated as though I'm dealing with some sort of narcotic, when in actual fact it's a, a crop like grain or barley or wheat. How um, Now you've got a big contract coming up. Tell me how good that is and what it is. We were incredibly excited to be asked to supply material to a huge project that UTAS are building in Hobart in the old forestry building. It'll be the largest hempcrete building in the Southern Hemisphere and all of that hemp is being locally grown and processed in Tassie, which is amazing, coming out of Exhemp. So that is going to be a huge public building in the centre of Hobart and I think it's going to really elevate the material so people can see it, touch it and be in those spaces. So it's a huge deal for us as a small company but also for Tassie and the hemp industry. Is it taking your business to the next level? It definitely has. The contract with UTAS really has been a game changer for us. It's the first large commercial contract of its type in the country, for starters, and it's certainly by working with a company like Hanson Yunkin, a very well-respected commercial construction company, it's really pulling us into more of the mainstream. So things that natural builders have known for decades are now coming into mainstream commercial building, which is an exciting development. Andy Lucas, she's with the hemp processor Exhemp, speaking there to Fiona Breen. Uh, just a reminder before we finish up the country hour, the Victoria Highway is currently closed due to flooding between the Victoria River Bridge and Timber Creek. The Roper Highway is closed at Strangways Creek and the Buntine Highway is also closed due to flooding between the Buchanan Highway intersection there at Top Springs and Waddy Creek at Kakarinji. That's it for the show today. 